0: Welcome and thank you for joining the Unbiased Label Podcast with your host Zara Karutz. On this podcast, we believe that labels belong on clothes, not people. We have real talk with thought-provoking conversation at the intersection of industry and academia focused on fashion and culture. This episode is a conversation with Milkos, who is a Senegalese fashion designer. His eponymous brand, Neofar by Milkos, means we are together. The ethos of Milkos' designs is deep research with heritage of his background at the center of his artistic process. Milkos uses a mud based fabric known as mud cloth that gives his fashion designs cultural depth and authenticity of meaning. Please join the conversation as I speak with Milkos from his home in Senegal. Now on to the conversation. So thank you for taking the time to join me from Senegal today. This is a really special treat, I have to say.
1: It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. I wanted to ask
0: you... What Neofar means and why you named your brand that?
1: So Neofar means we are together.
0: Mm, We are together.
1: Yeah, we are together. We are connected. We are together. It's a common word here in Senegal. If you spend like two days in Dakar, you will hear Neofar like six times. But the thing is, why Neofar? The togetherness came from my childhood, from my parents. Because I came from a family where we are four and six, if we include mom and dad. My father was one of the first generation people coming from my, my traditional village, which is in the south of Senegal, in Kazamas, uh, and ha- have a job here in town. He was a policeman. Oh. So all his cousins and the people from the village or from those areas, they come back to Dakar and, and look for work. He was supporting they were just looking for a job. Some are studying, you know. So at lunch or at dinner, everyone come to have lunch and dinner at home. Wow, that's great. You know, so just growing up like that, even your mom and dad, you have to share them with others, right? Yeah. <laughs> so that feeling of having to share, but which is genuine and I like it. And for me, I was lucky to grow up like that, you know. Yeah, that's blessing. Yeah, that's a blessing. And sharing those blessings, that's Nyopa. Nyopa, I mean, if it's for me, it's for you. That's how I grow up. And for me, it was just natural. I started just by putting Nyopa on a t shirt.
0: Well,
1: Officially, I started like six years ago, mm-hmm. but the, the brand started maybe 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like uh, the concept of the brand mm-hmm. started 10 years ago.
0: But you have different applications to how you even design and craft your designs as well so I think that's interesting right
1: for me it's all started when I really discovered because I knew the fabric I don't know if you know of the mud cloth I only use mud cloth uh, for the brand
0: yeah I was gonna Uh, ask you what is mud cloth it
1: it is made from mud but the thing is the process is kind of interesting because It's the cotton, uh, which is grown in Mali. And then after they do the waving locally, you have old ladies that do the waving. And also the dyeing process, they use some leaves and mud to have different colors. And you have different kind of trees that give some colors.
0: So it sounds like this is an an arduous process. It goes through many different hands.
1: Exactly. And and it's a long process. And it started in Dakar, actually, because... Before going to that process, I started thinking about what subject I'm going to work on, the, a research subject. And then after, I do the, the, the design in Dakar, the pattern and everything I do it in Dakar, and then go there and then collab with some great artisans from Mali. They are in San, I think the, the city is called San. It's maybe 600 kilometers from Bamako. So I I work with them. So to create my own pattern on the fabric,
0: Mm. so
1: it's going to be exclusive because we have mud cloth, which is known all around the world, but you have some known design on mud cloth. The thing is, what's interesting with mud cloth, even uh, traditionally, they tell stories through the fabric, all those patterns you see, all the colors, they have a meaning. I just use the, the way of doing and then tell my own story oh. on the on the fabric.
0: This is really interesting. I'm so glad you brought this up. What, what is the symbolism of that the, in the traditional sense? Because from what you're telling me, there's a long history to the yeah. pattern of the mud cloth that is indigenous to probably a long time, I'm thinking, it's within communities.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's traditionally a doggone fabric, and they've been using it since they know they, they existed. The Dogon is a tribe or it's, it's not an ethnic because you have different ethnies, you have different languages, but it's all more or less the same ethnic, but it's a tribe or a people that lives in the mountains. It's a really nice area and where they live, uh, they move to live there. But when the colonizers came, they didn't want their culture to be diluted. It's not only the Western colonizers, it's also before when the Islam invasion came also, they just go and live in an area which is where people didn't want to live because it's dry. It's really on the mountains. Oh, like desert. Yeah. So in that way, they keep all the parts of their culture. Right, right okay. now, you, you can have like Muslim doggons, but it's kind of recent.
0: Okay, so how far does this date back? The dogons.
1: From what I read or what I talk, when I talk to people, let's say the 16th century, something like that, or way before, because oh, they're, wow. they're, they're people. They're people from Mali. They just moved because they didn't want people to change their culture and their way of living.
0: Yeah, and what you're saying, it wasn't just the Western colonization. It was also exactly. a religious colonization.
1: Colonization happened way before the Western slavery. You have the Arab slavery, which is before the, the Western slavery. And it happened, I think, 12 centuries or around that area, I think. The thing is, they were fight. There was wars against the Arab. And then after it just switched to the... Western colonization and the Arab, they came from the Middle East and also all those areas. That's why you have uh, a lot of countries which are Arab because you have all the Sahel, which this area is called the Sahel. You have a lot of uh, Arab influences and then you have also a mix of Western. You have French, you have uh, English, you have uh, a bit of Spanish and Portuguese. And you know, you have a lot of influences. For example, here in Senegal, uh, we are a French colony, you and inside Senegal, you have Gambia, which is uh, English from yeah, Britain, mm-hmm. and you have in the south, just near like you have Guinea, uh, Bissau, Guinea, which is Portuguese. So,
0: mm-hmm. and it's
1: the same country, uh, but it's divided actually. I have cousins which are Gambian, I have cousins which are Guinean, but the thing is we live in different countries, but it's the same tribes. You can find uh, ethnicities in all these countries around West West Africa.
0: So it's very multicultural because of all of the colonization and the colonization was coming from all angles.
1: Yeah, right.
0: I'm just curious what what your thoughts are coming from a perspective of a country and and a land and a people that were the recipients of colonization. How do you feel about this whole idea of decolonization and what are your thoughts what do you think
1: um for me it's more than a concept for me i believe in that because how i see it is to tell new stories but from our own perspective yeah and also to set our own narratives because you know africa has always been these exotic things africa is that africa is that and the right. people that tell those stories, they just come here, they go to the, you know, the really, really remote areas. And then they say, that's Africa. Right. And yeah, <laughs> it's also Africa, but Africa has like big cities. We have everything. Yeah. And most of the time, you know, the, three years ago, I was in the U.S. for a program set by Obama. Then He was my so... favorite
0: president, by the way.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, it was. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And people say, oh, how do you know that? How do you know that? And then, you know, I said, yo, guys, we don't live in trees. We have internet. You have a tool called (laughs) internet.
0: This debate that's going around, especially in fashion and academia of decolonization and to deconstruct from a concept, I think it's necessary and it is essential.
1: It it is, it is. For me, it is. We have to appropriate it. I mean, just take it and make it our own. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, for me, what's my definition of decolonization is stories has been told about us for centuries. And then how to change that perspective, how to change the debate, how to change the direction of the debate in a way that we feel comfortable and then tell the real stories. And right. the thing is, Every story has a different perspective, but what's important is the main subject or the main people that were involved tell their side of the story. For me, my collection is it's where the connection is between fashion design and culture. Because if I don't have a real subject, and for me, subject means like something I can bring to the table for the new generation. For me, that's really important. For example, the, the last collection I was telling you about. Even in, here in Africa, people didn't know that the Turgons has those knowledge about the stars. And you have a lot of debate also in the scientist area or academia where people say this tribe cannot know this because they don't know math, they don't know science. That brings a lot of questions to me because those people were saying that from a, a Western perspective and also by defining what science in a Western perspective.
0: What, what do you think?
1: Colonization is really deep in people. That's why even here, most of the people or oh, the masses, the way they reflect, the way they, they tell things, you can see the real influence. So for me, it's not really about getting rid of the influence. But the thing is, What's going to be our future? How are we going to shape mm-hmm. our future? For me, that's where decolonization is going. Everything, for me, it's not all the fashion, but in architecture, yeah. in everything. The why is really important. Mm-hmm. You have to know why you're doing things. Not just because it's done like this in, in the Western world. That means it's good. No. Milkos, you, know, so you have it,
0: to question, you have to debate, you have to yeah. challenge yourself and each other. I'm like you. I'm very much of a futurist and a problem solver. You know, yeah, like, how do we move <laughs> past? Yeah. And you know what's really interesting? This notion of cultural appropriation is something mm-hmm. that I'm researching because it's such a theoretically complex argument, especially when you're looking at arts, yeah, cultural elements. Right. It is... Very nuanced, and I'm I'm just curious to get your thoughts. As you
1: said, there's a lot of nuances because the thing is, for me, the conversation is really important. Because what I call um, cultural appropriation is just staying somewhere, being inspired, or just seeing something that you think is interesting. You don't do the research mm. to those people and then use that and make profit of it. Right. See. Uh, let's say the doggons, uh, and someone is in let, let's say in the Western world. If the person is really interested in those persons, the, the person needs to come there, uh, see how those people live, see what's offensive, see what the meaning of each part of what the person want to use, and then uh, make sure that they're comfortable for him using or her using it and then make it collab. For me, that's why collabs are really important. Because for me, collaboration is just a conversation. I say something, you say something, and we met somewhere in the middle. So you bring something on the table, I bring something on the table. But it's a relationship though, Exactly, exactly. Right, yeah. Yeah, So, I agree with you.
0: And, And you know, when I think back to fashion, what you just yeah. described, if we look at the early fashion, we're talking 1920s, 30s, 40s, 50s, the, the, <laughs> the early sort of 20th century where the exotic was just viewed as as the exotic. Yeah. To be looked at, to right. be eased, and then to be reproduced for an inspirational sake. Without yeah. any narrative discussion Dialogue, exactly. truth, or honesty. Exactly, and that's the disconnect. That's where I think because that old way of fashion being superficial or only an aesthetic.
1: Um, exactly,
0: it removed all the symbolism of of humans.
1: For me, that's that's the way to go. Let's take a, a simple example. You know, in the dogon area, there's some fabric that only someone which is in a position in the society has the right to wear, right? There's some design mm-hmm. that, you know, that's only the elder has to wear, or that's only the hunter has to wear, that only the doctor in the traditional doctor, I don't know the English word, but in French we said, has the right to wear.
0: It's a social standing or position of power.
1: Exactly. Powers. And yeah. So if someone which is foreign to that culture, you see the fabric somewhere and then just wear it or use it in a different way, that's really offensive. But if you don't study that culture, if you don't do your research, if you don't go there, talk to people, you cannot know that.
0: Well, and that's the point of being informed,
1: Exactly. Because if
0: you were informed, you would know what it is, and you would frame it in the context of the habitats of where that f- pattern lives.
1: Right, right. So, but, yeah, for me, for me, it's important.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I lecture, and I had this discussion with a student just recently talking about the importance of research right and you've brought this up numerous and numerous times so i'm curious (laughs) to get your perspective as a designer what your philosophy is on research and why you feel that's so important
1: um for me it's the main thing that's why it takes me time because for me research is reading talking to people if i don't do research i cannot work on the collection it's as simple as that so for me research is just going there talking to people because there's a saying that uh, in African culture, it's a, an oral culture. There's no writing. And it's, it's not 100% false, but you have a lot of writings in Africa, even traditional. You have in West Africa, you have cities, Timbuktu, where you have the biggest uh, library in, in the world until recently. Here in Senegal, we have a spiritual guide, which is called uh, Ahmadou Bamba, he, he was also fighting the French, but in a Pacific way. He wrote, saying uh, Tuba wrote seven tons of books. Imagine. Wow. Seven tons. I
0: can't and, imagine. That, that, that's yeah,
1: cool. you know, that's the, for one person, seven tons is just extraordinary. You have a lot of poems. You have a lot of philosophy. And he wrote on different subjects. So, uh-huh. if people say Afro, African culture is an oral culture, yeah, we have a big part of oral culture. So, you have to talk to people. The last collection I worked, the, the Potolo collection, I need to go there. In the Dogon, the way they live, they have an elder, which he is also a spiritual guide. They call him the Ogon. So, the Ogon is the one that keep all the knowledge of the Dogons, and he knew almost everything and the thing is but he he don't choose himself the 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 spirit choose him if the spirit chooses you you don't have the choice it's just you but there's a whole process and really interesting process he needs to stay I, if I remember correctly like three months without taking a shower there's a small a girl which didn't uh, uh my english is just uh, you know uh, uh, i forget the word i reflect in french and speak in english so <laughs> it's kind of awesome. um but the thing is there's a long process for him to be the organ and people don't have the right to touch him he he live alone there's a long process but the thing is after he has the you know the society gives him his knowledge so if you want to know some things you have to talk to him and the thing is oh. there's a process to talk to him. you cannot just you know stop mm-hmm. by and say hi ogon he you know <laughs> the
0: ogon has gatekeepers
1: yeah exactly even talking to the people the locals especially the thing Wait, is um did you for talk me, to the ogon yeah it was a short conversation but i had my questions and then the thing is but the the Ogon don't answer directly. They speak in uh, Um That's that's the word, right? Parabolas. Uh, I don't know. A
0: parables.
1: Yeah, parables. Uh, like stories yeah. So that are wisdom
0: Exactly. Like parables.
1: Exactly. So you have to find your answers in between, and also you have to talk to people that know the meaning, so they can describe what the Ogon what wow. the Ogon just said. You know, I cannot rely 100% on what those Western anthropologists or, or right. ethnicists wrote because they wrote, write it from their perspective. So I need to read that, know about that, and then go but down there and then talk to people. I have
0: to engage. I have to understand. I have to dive in. Right. I'm a theoretical analysis, understanding depth
1: in relation <laughs> to reality <laughs> like what are I, I, I agree I, I agree 100% with you I agree 100% with you but the thing is for me in a research perspective if I needed to translate all the informations that I had in Mali and I don't speak uh, I mean correctly the language I, I understand it but I don't speak it correctly right so uh, for me I needed something that was written and then just see if it's true, and then see a different perspective. Go there, speak to the organ, speak to the uh, the Dogon environment, and Mm -hmm. then see, oh, okay, this is not true, this is not true, this is not true, and see how I feel about all these writings. For me, also, that's deconstruction, and that's what we were saying, that's where decolonization starts, So, because I know what they wrote, but the thing is, I need to confront it with the reality and see, oh, okay, this is not true, yeah. or this is not correct, or this is... I need to know what they what they said to, right. for me to say it in a different perspective and to say it in well, a teachable way.
0: But to me, Milkos, what you're saying yeah. makes perfect sense. Instead of relying on what somebody wrote to be yeah. true that just stood there and observed, let's just go ask people. Exactly. That's, to me, a lot of life is just common sense.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Let, let me ask.
1: Yeah, so, that, that's it for me. That's it. That's it. Just, just so people, we tend to assume that this is right or this is true without asking, without you know. That's that's you know for me that's terrible.
0: And and I like academia for the sense of theory, and knowledge. I like the exercise. It is literally a gym for my brain. (laughs) (laughs) Without that that practical, pragmatic um, connection, I think it's only in the brain. And you need to have both. That tension of reality and thought has to slide back and forth in order to actually change the world we live in and for it to make reality uh, manifest.
1: Yeah, 100%. For me, 100%. And that's, that's true. For me, it was important to go there and then tell them, I'm telling these stories in this way.
0: Conversations like this prove the demystifying sort of lens of what <laughs> fashion is. Yeah, and To me, fashion is and I say this and I don't say this in jest. If we can Mm -hmm. fix fashion, we can solve the world's problems because they are interlinked just like food and humanity and living is interlinked.
1: Yeah, 100% our ethos or our philosophy is more in the human uh, side. Because for me, that's why I don't work with machines, for example, everything is handmade. Even the sneakers, everything is handmade. (sighs) With this collection, what we did, we mixed my background as a software engineer and my actual work as a designer. We, we built an uh, augmented reality app. All those patterns, the app detects, but in a flat surface, the app detects all those motifs and patterns. And then you have a 3D animation with the ogon, but I use the statue and the ogon tells you the story. Wow. You're telling
0: me you developed because your background uh, is in software engineering. Yeah. There's a lot of tech and a lot of really booming education and capabilities within Africa in tech. So I'm not surprised saying this. But you developed an app Um, that will, it's an augmented reality of a pattern detection. Wow. Right. That's incredible.
1: Uh, And we're also working on a video game with this collection.
0: So Sirius is related to the current collection.
1: Right. You have Sirius, right? Which is the brightest star. Sirius, we can see it in some... There's some areas that you can see it really clearly and there's some times that you can see it really clearly. It's one of the brightest stars. I didn't and, know
0: that, but now it makes sense that the big satellite media company is called Sirius. Oh, a- Sirius,
1: a- exactly. There's also Sirius B, uh, which is uh, the star that you cannot see with a naked eye. But the Dogon knew the existence of that star six centuries before the telescope was invented. How? That's the tricky part, because the cosmogony of the Dogon is really connected to the stars. So, Sirius B does an orbit around Sirius A. Sirius A. A, so, you can
0: see, B, you can't see, but they orbit each other.
1: Yeah, exactly. But the orbit around Sirius is 60 years, right? Oh, okay. But every 60 years, the Dogon, they do a celebration called Sigi. Sigi. Yeah, Sigi.
0: That's, I like that, the way that sounds, Sigi.
1: Yeah, Sigi. And it's a traditional ritual which happens every 60 year to just celebrate life.
0: In the 60-year sort of life cycle, when did this happen? Last
1: time, I think it was in the early 2000s. That's also how people discovered that they have been celebrating sigi for 60 years because every sigi they carve a mask a big uh, yeah they dig the ground and put the mask there
0: oh they bury it yeah
1: exactly it's uh, the big mask oh. is the whole a whole tree
0: oh okay the whole yeah, tree the big,
1: they the, use. yeah they put a big mask so they have different masks, even for the sigi when the scientists discovered that they see that Before the telescope was discovered, they found, I think, like 12-something masks, right? That's how they see that they have been celebrating SIGI, which is the orbit of Sirius Mm -hmm. B, uh, every 60 years. The day of the orbit, you have Sirius and um, the sun that comes out at the same time. And they have also in the mountain somewhere they can observe that. Oh, they can see it. No, they cannot see it. But the thing is, the the sign is like in that day. You have the series in the star that comes out at the same time. Okay,
0: well, I'm sure this is ritualistic at this point. They know there's a down.
1: Exactly. So uh, that's why for this collection, I, I was just blown. In talking to people, I said, even if you said in Africa, sometimes if you said the doggone, people will look at you like you come from, you know, somewhere. They don't know about it because uh, people don't talk about it.
0: But how did you find them? I mean, how did you stumble across the doggone?
1: It's through mudcloth because I was, uh, you know, amazed by mudcloth. And I started doing research when I started using the fabric. So I started researching it. And then uh, you know, I know that it's a doggone. And then I started digging, and then I went to Mali, and then just go down there. And I'm still amazed because it's, that's why I, for Nofa, it's gonna be only mud cloth for all the collection. It's gonna be only mud cloth, but with different stories.
0: It looks so good. I love this collection. And and you do clothing and sneakers and and, and handbags. You accessories. Right. Right. I, I don't even know if you can call them a sneaker really. I mean, it's I don't know. I think that's maybe a misleading name. What do you call them?
1: Sneakers cuz that's just you? <laughs> so fancy. Yeah, it's just it's just sneakers. You have the same silhouettes you have like in different brands. It's just after the way I see it, the way it's coherent with uh, what I'm doing. And, you know, for this collection, every sneakers, the name of every design is the name of the mask. Oh. And and the meaning of the mask and how it used during Sigi and everything. So
0: good. I kind of yeah. am obsessed with the Satimbe. Bay. Did I say that right? Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah, Satimbe. Bay. La-
0: love this team i'm really into sneakers the older that i get i've got rid of yeah. all my heels i'm like i'm, I'm not wearing torture <laughs> devices anymore you know I, i'm too busy i need function but i want to look stylish of course and i really I, I i like the way they look for that reason they're very dressy in the sense that they have a lot of presence to them
1: all Right, right that was that was the, the goal just to you know Capture the attention, and then so people can just ask question, and then while answering the question, you tell them the story. For me, that's the main part of what I'm doing. It's just for me, the story is more important than the sneaker.
0: Well, what about the Kanaga? That's pretty dope too. That I mean, yeah, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. they're really, they're really, really good.
1: Yeah, this pair, it takes three days to make.
0: It, it almost is a combination of a European chunky sole trainer. Right, mixed right. with an elegant wingtip top.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. I mean, it's awesome. It's really... Oh, thank you. For me, the seventeen day is every day running around, you know. Um, right. It's an, it's an everyday love. And the right. Kanaga, I pull that out when I want people to know that I'm the boss. Like, here I ex- come. Ex-
1: that's exactly. That's why, uh, you know, the Kanaga, I, 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 for this collection, but I'm I'm releasing a capsule after. Oh. But for this collection, it's only 50 pairs.
0: Are you gender neutral? Are you, like, size mm-hmm. open?
1: Yeah, it's it's gender neutral. Yeah. Everything everything I'm doing is unisex. Yeah.
0: That's, Even that's the clothes, the every,
1: every, everything I'm doing is unisex. So it's just a different side, but it's unisex. So, yeah.
0: I don't know why unisex isn't more popular.
1: I don't know. I don't know. The thing is, when I started, I, I did the different pair on, for women. But no, women were buying the pair. Even men were buying the pair that I did for women. So I said, you know what? Let's just do shoes, sneakers. And then everyone who likes it buys it in that way. You've
0: made a name for yourself. People are finding you. I think it's insane that you, Swiss Beats and Alicia Keys are trying on your clothes. How did they find
1: you? They came here for inauguration of an artistic residency. I don't know if you know of Cain de Wiley. He did the portrait of Obama. Yes. He opened uh, an artistic um, residency here in Dakar, right? Uh, so, for the opening, there was a lot of big names here. But I missed that party, because I was sick. <clears throat> so, they went to visit big name artists called Omar Victorio, we, we know each other, and then they see the shoes uh, on him. They say, where well, can we find these, blah, blah, blah. He, he just told them, oh, let me call him. <laughs> you know, I show up, and I, he told me, bring some stuff. What was really great was the conversation once a day because you know they're really interested in art in general uh, especially Swedes. he's an art collector yeah Uh, that's a a
0: collection from
1: what I can see yeah you have a lot of similarities with Swedes. I I, I was a fan of him but not especially the music part. but the way he went back to studies he went back to Harvard to get some studies he was working with McLaren I'm a big fan of automobile that's my other passion i love oh. car um and you know the design he was working with with reebok all those side of his personality was just i was amazed by that yeah the conversation was just epic because uh, they knew about the dog on but it, it, it was before i released this collection they were about to meet the president they were almost late because we were <laughs> here talking talking was, was was crazy and Alicia Keys, are love music. So that, that's why I don't work with a lot of influencers. It's a business at the end of the day, but I choose how I make business and who I make business with.
0: Mm. I, if,
1: uh, I don't just give someone because he's an influencer. That's why the story with Swiss and Alicia Keys was really great for me because we relate in so much points that was just... Amazing, but that conversation was really inspirational for me. So yeah, yeah I was you really got a, great. You control. got a
0: lot out of it. I am beyond, beyond <laughs> excited to have this conversation with you. And I, yeah. I mean, the designs are beautiful, but it's it's the story, it's the culture.
1: For me, that's the main part of my work, just conversation. Yeah, that's why pop-ups from works for me because I need to see people. I need to see the reaction of people. The
0: global conversation really is so necessary at this point,
1: because yeah. not only
0: do we learn from each other, learn stories that we don't know, and grow as human beings, and give, yeah. share our platform in a lot of ways. And yeah. by the way, the technology and the creative ideas are super inspiring.
1: At the end of the day, here, that's technology is just a big opportunity for yeah. Africa to tell our stories. Because in technology, we kind of equal. There's some other things that people are ahead, but in technology, we have internet. Right now, if you post something, people see it all around the world at the same time as yeah. people from Africa. So we equal in that sense. Totally. So the thing is, we have to use that in a way that we can be heard.
0: That's right.
1: You know, no, So right. it, we have to use it wisely. So people, by setting our own narrative and also by people getting that, okay, what we've been hearing like years, it's not really accurate. I that's can't so. thank
0: you enough for this really uh, wonderful conversation to now understand who you are as an artist and in your philosophy of of you which is really incredible so thank you for sharing all of you today it's been wonderful
1: yeah it's been an honor it's been really honored just share my perspective you've made my day (laughs) (laughs) ah you too i'm I'm glad i'm glad
0: Thank you, Milkos, for that fantastic conversation. And thank you for joining us for this episode of the Unbiased Label Podcast with your host, Zara Karutz. I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on the conversation and the world at large. Please subscribe, comment, and engage with your thoughts. Please tune in next week for another thought-provoking conversation at the intersection of industry and academia focused on fashion and culture. Until next time.